Ren, for a relationship to work, there needs to be a balance. An imbalance can cause your relationship to lose touch with reality, things that aren't there and eventually fall apart. That is to say, if one of you is falling apart, your relationship will as well. Whoa, 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 whoa. Find... Okay, hold on. Did you steal that quote from Garnet from Steven Universe? Uh... Roll the intro! Welcome back to TCR On Air, the podcast where we talk about anything and everything. I'm your host today, Agent Lily, a.k.a. Faith, and I'm here with Leaf, a.k.a. Mixcode Red, Ar Arma, also known, a.k.a. Ren, Tangerine, a.k.a. Aaron, the other one. Did you forget my code name? <laughs> <laughs> and Grown, also known. Uh, okay, Ryan. There we go. I did it. Woo! Okay, so we all agree never to let Faith yeah. go. Yeah. Please don't let me do this. <laughs> We're talking about animation. Again! The second one. <laughs> Last time we talked about anime and 80s reboots. So today we are going to stick to our roots and focus on some modern gems of animation uh leaf forced me to throw in a pun because um we're going to be talking about steven universe because how how on earth did you jump to that conclusion <laughs> don't ever let me do this again you tried uh... your very best you... i'm i'm handing the microphone over somebody else take it please okay. please take um, it. okay i'll take it don't worry ryan will edit it to make it sound so confident and super good yeah, I'm definitely not going to make you look bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so, as Faith expertly said, um, we are talking about animation once again, but since we accidentally went way too far off on about anime and old stuff, uh, we're going to talk about some of our some of our actual favorite shows that we watch, or at least watched on a regular basis. going to stick to mainly shows from, like, the last, last 10 years that were just exceptionally good in our eyes. And as Faith said... Um, the first one is her and I's personal, or at least my favorite from the last decade, was my favorite, um, Steven Universe. You can tell from the fact that Faith already said that, and that was the stolen quote from our introduction. Okay, this yeah. is the part where I give you the play-by-play -play of the entire lore of the series. So, starting about 7,000 years before the start of the series. Oh, no! Faith, do you want to talk about Steven Universe, or are you um, camera shy now? It's 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 fine. Steven Universe, great show. Loved it. Love it. Huh. Sad. It's over. Cried. Balled my eyes out. Actually. That's true. I was a witness. <laughs> yeah, that's actually how we bonded together. Was through Steven it's Universe. Fair. We bonded over it ending. Yeah, I think that's what made it even more special. Actually. I would agree. That didn't make it special. Yeah, it had a. <laughs> Very long run of a whole, like, what, seven years, I think? Yeah. 2013. Plus all the, hmm? all the hiatuses. Yeah, well, not counting the hiatuses, it would have been, like, way less than that. But ran from, like, 2013 to 2020. I genuinely don't remember. Don't ask me what numbers are, because I don't know. Listen, I just don't know, okay? But I do know that it was really good. It was not perfect. It had 
many, many technical flaws, a lot of art style inconsistencies, a lot of creative contradictory liberties, and got screwed over by the studio so many times. But it was still super good, and I was obsessed with it for like all of middle school through high school. So that says that says a bit. I honestly, when it first was advertised on TV, I hated it so much. The commercials, like the marketing, was so bad. Every time I heard Steven's voice, I wanted to reach into the TV and strangle his little head. <laughs> I don't want to hear you say this anymore. So just this, it was this god awful commercial, just the gem saying like really corny quotes out of context, and I was like. I hate this with a burning passion. And then it came on TV one Sunday morning. I was like, whoa, that fry monster just ate somebody. Oh my gosh. Was that actually your first episode? Frybo might have been. I don't oh know. Because the first season, the episodes would just play. And so I just kind of watched them there. And I don't know why, how that even worked on hooking me on. Because those were some of the weirdest and most questionable episodes. Like, yeah. How did they even how did they even get that produced in their first five episodes to have one episode where a fry mascot starts growing ketchup things and trying to kill people? And then the next one, Steven turns into a cat like abomination. It, like, how did that not freak me out more as a child? Because they went with the weirdest stuff right away. There was actually mm -hmm. a lot of messed up things in that show now that I think yeah. about it. But specifically that first season when like like, you, you have to admit, they didn't really have the rules um, set up because, like, you look back towards the end and you think some of these things that they had in the first season make no sense. But they just went, they just went with everything and they rolled with it and made most of it work. But it was really good. I think I didn't, I, I liked it a lot for the first season. A lot of people got hooked at the end of the first season when Garnet, the character we mentioned already, had a huge reveal. I feel like we can talk about it because who doesn't know at this point that Garnet was a fusion. Yeah. Because if you haven't watched Steven Universe, basically, I guess we probably should have said this already. Um, the show is about a kid named Steven, who's part gem. Gems are just these magical aliens. And he lives with the crystal gems, Garnet, Amethyst, and Pearl. They are their gems. And basically, the show is just about Steven learning to control his gem powers that he inherited from his gem mother, Rose who is gone, and his funny dad, Greg, teaches him life lessons, but not that often. So, so some of be gay space rocks and mommy issues. Yeah, okay. yeah basically. <laughs> yeah, and so the gems, they're made of white magic, so they can combine and stuff. So that was a big thing that hooked a lot of people on, but I was there before. It was cool. And from there, that's when it started to go more sci-fi. Yeah, I'm, oh, I'm beekeeping. This is Girl Boss Leaf today in the studio. Um, yeah, because if you were like, if you, if you listened to our podcast episode about um, Pride, then I kind of I think I mentioned it then too that Steven Universe did a lot for representation because Garnet is a fusion of Ruby and Sapphire and all gems, like literally every single one. They don't have gender, but they all present femininely. So it was kind of like a creative loophole to be able to have gay characters without the studio being like. <sighs> Yeah. <laughs> and from there, I just got more and more hooked. I think the mid-season mid -season three event like got me through um, the second half of seventh grade. 
it was a hard time to go through, obviously, but I, I got through it. And then kept watching all the way till the show ended at season five, prematurely, but also not because their their ending got rushed, but they still got a six um six extra episode pickup. I, I'm not sure the technicalities there, and I don't I don't really want to look it up, but either way, and it ended with Change Your Mind, which was pretty good finale had a lot of really awesome stuff like the fusion gem obsidian um and some other things i don't know had a lot of really cool stuff and that was supposedly the end until we found out there was a movie coming with the best oh yes we'll we'll talk about her so steven universe the movie continued the saga as a 90 minute straight to tv um film and it was it was lovely i loved it it came out um in the fall of 2019 and i was obsessed with the soundtrack i loved it because the end of at the end of the main series each main character got a new design and then for the movie they gave steven an aged up design and i was obsessed with it i own the 16 year old steven jacket it's in my closet somewhere the movie was incredible faith go ahead talk about her spinel my love for spinel is large. <laughs> yes. Faith is a Spinel fan. I don't think... I, I think at this point, spoilers for all things Steven Universe, we're just going to talk about it as if you people know about it. And if you don't, well, you should, I don't know, check out the show, because Rebecca Sugar and her team, they did make a really good story. It's not perfect, but it's enjoyable if you like space and gems. And gay. Need I go on? Exactly. But what was I, um, where was I going with this? I don't remember because <laughs> my brain got flattened by a steamroller. Right. Yeah, the movie was really good. The soundtrack, at, at least. Oh my god. Rebecca Sugar had to write so many songs in such a little time. She got some actual, um, their names to help write the music, like Chance the Rapper. Pretty sure? Yeah, if I'm not mistaken, Chance the Rapper helped with the music. I've never listened to him. I just thought that was kind of neat. I never would have expected that collab. Um, but yeah, for what it was, it was a really good, very fun movie. Amazing soundtrack. Good enough story that, honestly, you kind of don't even need to have watched the show to appreciate the movie because um, it takes some time to kind of reintroduce all the characters. So even if you've never seen the show, you can figure out who these characters are and what's important to them in a way that doesn't even feel weird. It's just like this fun, grandiose presentation. Very Disney. Very, very Disney. It's just an all-around fun time. Movie's great. Um, so yes, the movie is amazing. I'm sure Faith's going to want to talk more about Spinel, but I think Faith is getting hunted by David in the hallways right now. So Again, somebody needs to put a leash on David or something. We can't control him. Uh, I'll, I'll figure something out at some point. Okay, thank you. Yeah. I digress. So, after the movie... Um, we were then greeted with Steven Universe Future, a 20-episode epilogue, um, which was so unexpected. Like, just, we didn't really know what it was about. It's just, um, the end of the main series set up this new status quo, so the future epilogue kind of touched on it a bit. But, like, it was, no one, no one really could predict what it was about and where it was going. Because it was just a really, really thorough and beautiful um story about just how realistically 
a child's mental health would be affected by fighting monsters that are trying to kill him from such a young age and dealing with the emotional weight of everyone around him. And it's just so profound and just so unexpected for something that is technically aimed for kids to just be touching on hard thoughts like that about living up to expectations and realizing you don't have to be anyone the world wants you to be. That The, the main show talked on that too, the finale especially about just self, self-love self and independence and just being who you are, taking charge. A lot of nice allegory for um, trans people, which maybe it resonated with me in a way that I just didn't realize at that point because I hadn't um, hadn't realized what I uh, who I was just yet. But the future epilogue really was incredible because it just focused on how Stephen's mental health was affected by all those traumatic experiences in his young age that everyone just treated like they were just normal things. And so now he just can't cope with things normally anymore. And they just took the time to address it and like explain it in a way that is real and people can actually like relate to and everything with the finale. A lot of people didn't like it because they were like, oh my goodness, we didn't get an epic final battle. But like, that was never what the show was about. I think at its core, Steven Universe was a show about saying that you don't need to fight your way out of problems. And a lot of the ways it did that were really, really beautiful, in my opinion. I think they handled all their major conflicts it's in such a unique way that you'd never expect. You'd think, yeah, they're going to go guns and blazing and just destroy these people. But then when they go a different way, they, they go a peaceful route, then you end up with something much more beautiful otherwise, which... Like, I was wowed. I was like, wow, if I had written this and I just made Steven kill the main villains, none of this other good stuff would have happened. So I think that was pretty neat. Faith, are you are you back with us? I am I'm back. I am I'm here. Okay. Yeah, sorry. We thought David was locked in the dungeon, but apparently he got out. It's alright. That was slightly terrifying, but it's okay. Okay. Well, I already skipped through a bit about future, but if you want to go back to Spinell and why she was an important character to you, by all means, go for it. I mean, okay, yeah. Uh, gro- growing up, obviously, watched Steven Universe. It was pretty great. Um, and I had a couple of friends who had also watched it and stuff, and a lot of friends, they'd always, like, you always have that whole, like, you relate to different characters and stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I had friends who would relate to Amethyst or... Um, or like Pearl or whatnot, or some of the human characters they'd relate to, and I couldn't, I couldn't really relate to anyone really growing up, and that was, that kind of sucked because one of the big things, um, with TV shows and what for me, is to get really hooked onto it. I want to be able to relate to someone, and mm-hmm. I, I could kind of relate to Stephen throughout it um in different ways but i didn't feel i didn't feel that like connection connection right um and then yeah 2019 uh steven universe movie came out um and i actually didn't watch it right away i didn't watch it as soon as it came out i wasn't in a great place uh at that time but it was leaf actually who convinced me to watch the movie. I think I actually wasn't even caught up at on the show at that time. I think I stopped watching the show and then you convinced me 
to catch up and then watch the movie. You're right. Your memory is so much better than mine. <laughs> Sorry? So your memory is so much better than mine. Uh, I don't know, because, like, I remember immediately going from watching, like, the finale of season four to the to the movie, so I'm pretty sure, like, you had talked me into watching it. So I did, and then, yeah, I watched the movie, and the character Spinell showed up, um, and, you know, she she <laughs> caught me at her hella good song right at the beginning, yeah, I think we talk about that. That that was a good song. Um, that the soundtrack in general for that movie was great. But um, you know, loved that. Loved that she was like that bouncy villain character. I love I love those. I don't want to I don't want to get into too much spoilers about the movie. Or does it really matter? Uh, we we already made a just all things Steven Universe spoilers. So just yeah, go go for it. Wonderful. Okay. Um. But so yeah, um, and then there she was like she went back to her original form or whatever, and I was just like, "What's going on here?" Uh, and then you get her backstory around the end of the movie, and um, uh, there had never been a character like that before that I related to like that, so. Right, right off the bat, right there, like from the movie, she became my absolute favorite character in the entire show. Fell in love with her. Um, when she came back for Steven Universe Future, even though it was for a little bit at the end, that made me the absolute happiest. <laughs> I have a little bit Steven Universe to say. Okay, if I can just if I can just throw in one more thought because we're talking about Spinel. Um. As I mentioned, I related a lot to Steven Universe Future, Steven's art during that, because I was going through a really hard time. And I remember there's one scene where the character gets Steven to realize all the horrible things that happened in his childhood that he didn't realize. Well, I had just been realizing, like, I'd been having epiphanies nonstop. And when that scene happened, I was just crying. I was like, oh my god, like, I, how am I, this feels like they're writing this show based on my life to help me figure myself out. So Faith and I kind of had this joke because I related so hard to Steven and she related so hard to Spinell that we were just each other, Steven and Spinell. So I think for Faith's birthday um, the last year, I drew her as Steven and myself as Spinell just to switch up the dynamic, a little spin <laughs> on it. But we had, a, we had a thing going like that and we have way more Steven stories, but Ren, I guess, please go ahead and share your thoughts. Okay, first little story thing for the first part. How Faith got angry when I started watching it because someone else told me to watch it. <laughs> okay, in my because, I've been telling you for years to watch it. Because you have been telling me since we met to watch it. And yeah. I'm like, no, no. Not gonna do that. I have not finished it in the slightest. I'm like 25 episodes into season one. Because yeah. bad Wi-Fi, don't have the thing that it's on, da 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 other stuff. Basically, I started watching it, what, like a week before the finale of Steven Universe Future came out? Because mm -hmm. there was going to be this, like, big, like, watching event. And I was like, 
And I got invited to it by Leaf. That's me. I'm like, okay, I'll, sure, whatever. So I begin to watch the show a little bit. And Faith is annoyed with me. Because what? That was the first of two times that I've done something that you've been trying to get me to do. It was the same years. thing with Mama. Yeah. It was the same thing with Mama. If you've heard our episode about um, experience of the drama class, we have that story in full detail. And I guess of the 26, 25, 26 episodes I've watched, I think the episode I'm on is Ocean Gem or the one after it. Mirror, Mirror Gem, Gem. Mirror Gem oh, is the first one, and then yeah. Ocean Gem is the second one. Ocean Gem is the yeah. one. Right. Oh my god. Remind me to come back to Ocean Gem because Lapis Lazuli is... Yeah. Yeah. Don't worry. But I was critical of the show. Still am, to a point. And, like, some things some characters do is like, hmm, that would not be okay under normal circumstances. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. yeah, also, like, the art style issues. Not the art style itself, the scaling. Mm-hmm. God, the, the height changes. There is an episode where Garnet, either Garnet gets increasingly tall, or Steven gets increasingly short. Steven, like, starts at, like, roughly dish height, or lo- just, just under, mm-hmm. and then slowly oh. gets to, like, knee size. Yeah. Like, throughout that entire episode which is just weird um but yeah though i was warned getting into it that season one Mm -hmm. is like is the least good season yeah because i think when you look back at it it's it's really strange because i own the the steven universe art books where you can you get a glimpse that rebecca sugar's like plan for the series that is allegedly like predates the show really weird because a lot of like gizmos and trinkets and monsters from the first season really make no sense once you know the lore of the show. It's like, how on earth does this exist? So they kind of just threw things in and just told stories that would be fun, exciting, but in the end, just don't make sense yeah. anymore. But yeah, it's it's fun. And my favorite character of the entire show is Lapis. Yeah, Lapis game. Relief, go off. Okay, um, I love Lapis, Leslie. I, so... When I first started watching it, like, I didn't have any online resources to watch the episodes, like, immediately. I could only watch them when they were out on my cable TV network. And so the Mirror and Ocean Gem episodes never premiered in Canada, and at least to my knowledge. Whenever they would do reruns of the whole show, they would always skip the Lapis episodes. So one day, I was just looking through the Steven Universe wiki, and I went to the page of all the gem characters, and I saw Lapis. I'm like, wait, like, from Minecraft, wait. Wait, like for Minecraft, and then they just had this new character. So I found the episodes online, watched them, and I don't know what it was. I don't know if it was Jennifer Paz's acting. I don't know if it was just her origin, like just her story. But I was just attached to her. She became my favorite. Every time she came back for something, I would say everything she did. I think she was underutilized. I think the second half of her arc, especially with things relating to Peridot, definitely got rushed. And I think needed definitely a bit more because it was um, just a little unsatisfying. But when she got her crystal gem redesigned at the end of the show and then got a whole episode to herself in Steven Universe Future, that was the best. Because I always loved her. I know she's actually a very controversial character 
which we can talk about too. But just I I don't know something about her. She's just my favorite favorite gem. I wanted to I wanted to say a little something about her backstory that I think I don't think I'm the only one that this bothers really, and I don't know if it was ever actually touched on by Rebecca Sugar or anything, but like. We know by the end or whatever, we've got, um, you know, the B team, we got Lapis, Peridot, <laughs> and together as a group or whatever. Um, I think you, um, you cut out there a bit, if you just want to say it was Lapis, Bismuth, and Peridot. Yeah, uh, with Lapis, Bismuth, and Peridot, their little group by the end, and they kind of became like this, you know, group of friends or whatever by the end of the show. Um, but it, I don't know if it ever got touched on by Rebecca Sugar after, but I have seen some people talk about it, where in Lapis's, mm. the gem that had poofed her and put her, and like, how she ended up in the mirror or whatever, was a bismuth. We don't know if it's necessarily our bismuth, but it was a bismuth. So, that's a lot like our bismuth. I think so, I have the answer. I think someone did actually, um, Mentioned that to Rebecca Sugar because everyone made that everyone made that connection. It's like, hey, that gem, that that's bismuth. It poofed lapis. Is that our bismuth? And I I'm pretty sure um, Rebecca Sugar actually yes, she confirmed at I think San Diego Comic Con that it was our bismuth who poofed lapis, and that was the point of that cameo to hint at it. Um, but they they intentionally didn't um, do anything with it. Because Lapis holding a grudge would just be really repetitive of the arc she just had with Jasper. I think that was what they were talking about there. Because, yeah, a lot of Lapis's arc was just holding on to spite against other people. So her arc was kind of about letting go of the past and embracing who she can be, not who she was. Um, I do kind of yeah. wish they did talk about it. Because I think it could have yeah. just been a single episode. Where they just give a, oh my god, you poofed me, and Bismuth was like, yeah, we were on opposite sides of a war. Sorry about that. What did you want me to do? Shake your hand? <laughs> like, I don't really know how they could have done that anyway. Um, I have the same thoughts about the, the Malachite controversy. People are always like, um, they hated Lapis for what she did there. Which you don't know is just, she fused with Jasper, but then um, trapped their fusion in the bottom of the ocean and people are like that was so awful like that was so bad they were this fusion is like all based on your relationship with a person so it's like oh malachite was toxic like lapis is a monster for that and people always talk about it as if they weren't still fighting against each other in a war she sacrificed herself to keep their most powerful adversary away for like six months yeah like, and people are like poor jasper though the mental torment jasper just tried to kill all of them like, they're not friends. Yeah. It, was it extreme? Yes. But I think people definitely forget way too much about the context of the fact that they were enemies. Fighting. To win. Yeah. So, that I feel like people left that out way too much about when they tried to say that Lapis was a monster for that. Like, okay. Sure. It's your opinion. I mean, you can't, you can't excuse Jasper. Like, yeah. <laughs> tried to kill them all throughout the entire show too like it wasn't like with lapis where she did get a chance to like have a redemption and you know figure out how to be a better person that she doesn't need to you know be scared of stuff. 
Jasper didn't even really get that. No. Jasper's it's... just the villain throughout the whole show. Yeah, even mm. even to future. They had they kept her a villain and it worked out for Steven's art because of the spoiler alert, but we already gave one. Super intense moment where Steven she push she pushes him to the edge and he kills her. He shatters her gem and ends her life. But then he heals her, brings her back to life. So it's like, okay, well, whatever. But throughout the end, she just she was beyond redemption. She never wanted to be a better person. The closest no. she got was Steven telling her to just stop trying to fight everything. There's nothing to fight anymore. Just do yeah. find your own purpose. Um so yeah, that's my two cents on that. Were you gonna say something else, Faith? Um I don't I don't think so, no. I mean J- Jasper's story was pretty clean cut like that. She just kinda she didn't she didn't get a redemption because she didn't want one. Didn't want one. And frankly, I think it it worked out fine that way. Um I, w- I would love, as you already know, if we got more Steven, I would want to see more of Jasper and where she's headed, because now she's aimless. By the end of the show, Steven's kindly Steven barely broke through to her and just kind of said, like, stop it. Like, the war is over. There's no one left to fight. Just do something with your life. I'd love to see if she actually tries to follow that advice or if she stays stubborn forever. Yeah. But golly, we've been going so off about Steven Universe, and I could go even further, but this isn't, we're not doing what we did with Avatar and making it a dedicated episode. Moral of the story is that Steven Universe was not perfect, but Rebecca Sugar is just a genius for doing everything she did with representation and trying to step, trying to tell a serious story about mental health and teaching valuable lessons under this veil of like a magic sci-fi space show is just so mm-hmm. clever. Because people come for the the intense lore and then they just get taught life lessons as a result. I think watching that show definitely had an influence on the way I came up with stories too because I kind of realized like, damn, it's way more interesting to find other ways than just destroying the bad guy by becoming the strongest. That's that's boring. But regardless, definitely need to move on um, because there are other shows we want to talk about and other things. So if I may, all aboard, grab your tickets. I want to talk about Infinity Train. Chugga, 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 chugga. So, um, me and Ryan are the only ones who have seen it all the way through. So I'll definitely, um, definitely give Ryan some more talking time because I've talked enough. But I think only to get out of the way is that Infinity Train is a one of a kind show. I love Jesse. That's all I need to say right now. Ryan can talk now. I made a cameo in the show. Just kidding. Well, it's kind of weird that that Brian is also Canadian. Yeah. He kind of looks like me, but just it's barely. Uh, Infinity Train. Hey, that's a cool show. Um, what's it about? You end up on a train, and you get a number, and you have to get... Well, I don't know if I should say that, because, you know, it's a spoiler, but... Here, I got this. Uh, if you made it to this point... Be warned, spoilers are abound. So, there you go. so, so bad. You end up on a t- the Infinity Train, you end up on the train, you get a number, and you have to get that number down to zero. And the way that you do that is that you have to become a better person, because as you go through the cars, you learn these things, like the flaws about yourself, and what makes you you, and figuring out who you are. 
and your, your relation to other people. At some point you get to zero and then you can leave the train. But of course, if you do bad things and you become worse, your number goes up and can get some pretty, pretty, pretty messed up stuff can happen then. It was just such a unique show because each season has different characters show different kinds of emotional journeys as opposed to just one character and like four seasons of growing it's different characters different reasons to grow and even then they were so so insanely creative and the thing is that each car because there's multiple different cars um on the infinity train because it never ends and they're all like completely they all have worlds inside of the cars and they're all different in their own way because they, they they all have a gimmick yeah and they, they have entirely new worlds and you have to f they're all puzzle rooms are, are there a few that are just like oh yeah you can just leave there's some that are pretty straightforward but then the, yeah some cars have locked doors and you gotta do a little puzzle some just take a while to get through because they're big because each one is like a holographic pocket dimension and just like basically most cards will get a dedicated episode to themselves just based on how interesting they are. Because you get you get things like, uh, let me think of a good example of one. The toad car, where there's just the a frog car. in the middle of the car, yes. and you have to kick the frog to get out. To, to get out, but the frog begs you not to kick them. God, that was okay. That episode was honestly one of the funniest ones. Yeah, the the perfect moral dilemma of will you kick this frog? Oh, and he also he begs you not to. Yeah. Um. Or well, he'll beg you to do it until you're about to. Then he'll say, "Please, God, please, please." And so you get funny, hilarious stuff like that. Um. And all around, they just do such a brilliant job of giving you enough on the main, the protagonist's journey, making their environment stand out and be interesting. And also, most of the books have some overarching antagonistic force as well, whether it be like explicitly some bad force or maybe something within that you just haven't realized etc etc I, I know we already said um there's gonna be spoilers so like i don't know the way they set it up with book one with having an actual antagonist in the form of the steward compared to book three where the final villain is simon and because you just expect that he's gonna get better because he's got to get off the train too but then he just gets so bad because he's so, like, he's a narcissist. And he, he freaking attempts to kill Grace. Yeah. And he thinks he thinks that he killed her as well. And even yeah. then, after murder, the number doesn't go, like, infinite or whatever. Apparently murder is still redeemable. I know that he didn't actually kill her, but he thinks yeah. that he did. And yeah. I would say that that counts. And he ends and up with a number even bigger than Amelia's. Yeah, and... In, in case you don't know Infinity Train and you just don't care about spoilers, she's the book one villain. Um, and she's been on the train for, like, decades. Over 40 years. Yeah. She does a bunch of shit, but Simon was just such an interesting character because he became the villain because of his own downfall. Because he just, he refused, he could not accept that he was wrong, ever. One where he would kill anyone who he knows, like, deep down, he, he knew Grace was right. So he just tried to kill her. He's gone, then no one can tell him that he's wrong. Yeah, because even Grace saves him, and then he repays her by just eating her it, off the yeah. train. So then in the end, Simon just gets brutally vaporized by one of the most mysterious forces of the train world. Hawk dog. 
<laughs> yeah, the cock talk. <laughs> They're called Gomes. Gorms? But yeah. Gomes, yeah. Gomes. But then with like season two, you had the the flex and they were really they were really neat. They didn't like have much depth to them, but they just added so much more um tension because now there was a threat that's act- actively trying to catch the main character and like the steward who would just occasionally pop up and cause trouble. And then book four has all those villains coming and going, but um once you're done your thought, I'll talk about why book four was such a strange way to way to end without context. Yeah. I also liked um in season one where you know, it, it, it kind of, sort of, not really presents itself as a kid's show, just because they were with Cartoon, Cartoon Network initially, so they couldn't yeah. really kill people. <laughs> so, I mean, they, they, they worked around that in, in the second one by uh, grinding somebody with the train wheel. Yeah! And the goo inside of him just gushes out of his face and stuff. It was brutal. Yeah. Well. Also, Simon's death was brutal. Yeah. And they got away with it all. Because um, he wasn't technically human, so it's fine. But I also do like... Because um, they do touch on heavy topics. Well, not not super heavy topics, but they, they, they do touch on topics that you wouldn't really expect from a kid's show. Yeah, exactly. And that's that was part of why I appreciated it more so because infinity train is like my favorite western cartoon of all time it surpassed steven universe because it's just infinity train compared to steven universe is like basically flawless and also touches on really heavy topics you can talk about those because i know you related to a lot of the characters yeah i related to tulip the most because tulip's my favorite i think Mm -hmm. she's great she's she's a lot of fun um, but I also do like that um, with the tapes, because there's tapes that will replay your own memories. Yeah. The thing is that it will play, um, your, the memories can be wrong just because of how you cope with certain things. Mm. So um, she remembered, because her parents were divorced, and she would remember the time um, with her parents, but she remembered it as happy memories in order to um, sort of keep herself from feeling bad and just being sad about yeah. it but in reality her parents were bickering a lot during mm-hmm. that time and she, she she realized wait no this memory isn't right it's not happy it, yeah. it's, it's a lot worse and she had to she kind of dodges away from a lot of her problems like she, she doesn't face them she's just like yeah whatever uh, you're getting divorced nerds except yeah Minus the head nerds, but mm-hmm. like she, she she doesn't directly um she doesn't directly face the problems that she's having. Like she she doesn't really she hasn't come to terms with the divorce. Yeah. So uh, I don't know. It was just very interesting that that she realized it's like oh yeah um these things I I can't just ignore these problems. I actually have to like think about them and uh, just just accept that, that that they're a part of my life. Mm-hmm. If I might, if I can, I'll just like quickly go over like the different um, emotional conflicts that the protagonist went through. Because Tulip's thing was she just she was trying to run away and avoid um, the things that were wrong in her life. So eventually, to get off the train and get her number to zero, she had to realize that it's okay for things to change and you can't run for it. You can't run from it. You just kind of have to accept it. And then Baku's passenger protagonist was Jesse. He wasn't the main character of it, but his conflict involved just um, 
Both characters in that book, probably why I love them most, I guess I relate to, because Jesse struggled with being his own person, because he always tried to do things to make others happy. And the actual main character, um, Mirror Tulip slash Lake, had a whole thing about forcefully reclaiming her identity. I never even really put together how much of a parallel there was between their dynamics, but they resonated with me the both. Nice, okay, yeah, English words. They resonated with me the most. And then you had Grace and Simon. Simon's thing was just that he, uh, he had an ability, he had an inability to accept when he was wrong. Because I'm pretty sure it's canon that he got on the train because he lost a spelling bee. Oh my god. When he was eight. Yeah, that's how bad it was. Grace, I honestly don't remember. But then Ryan and Mingi from book four. Th- this was a case where the show decided to make it a bit more fun and have these two characters come on together. So their conflict was more so tied to each other. And basically, their journey was more so about like, just kind of who they are and where they're going together in life. Yeah, and exactly. And realizing how much they're alike. Like for Ryan, it was kind of slow down and be more like Mingi that got his number down. And for Mingi, he had to just live more freely and stop being so uptight and just be ready to be impulsive like Ryan. So together, they were able to get off just accepting that they had a lot more in common than they thought. Yeah, and also Minky had a problem with stubbornness and not really... Yeah. He would always put the blame on Ryan. And Ryan actually got his number down to zero before Minky. Yeah, and all I was... So book four, I think I'll go off on that tangent now. Book four is the current official final book of Infinity Train. Hope, hopefully it's not the end forever, but right now, um, Cartoon Network and HBO Max did not greenlight any more seasons, which was not what the creative team wanted because book four was not the end they wanted book four actually subverts what they've got so far the first three books happen in chronological order book four goes back to the 1980s so ryan and mingi are on the train in a separate era of the train like things are different um which all makes so much sense when you watch the whole show and so yeah their arc together was really nice but really kind of an odd way to end it because the, the, the three previous books had so much like intensity and weight to the story arc. This one was just kind of these two guys just bickering constantly and it's talking bell, making more and more enemies. And in the end, it was, it was just a nice, um, where it culminated with the lesson that just like, you need to hold yourself accountable and just apologize for when you do things wrong. That was nice. Um, <laughs> book four was not supposed to come out as the last season or on its own. It was meant to be a prelude to the fifth book of Infinity Train, which was going to double as an animated movie, which was going to focus on the character we talked about, Amelia, and how, again, spoiler alert, she took over the Infinity Train. And Owen Dennis had storyboards made. He had the pitch ready. It was going to be a 90-minute movie. We were supposed to get eight books of Infinity Train, and then the networks decided, hmm, this movie, I don't know. There's no young characters in it, so no child entry point. No one will watch it. Yeah, we give up on you. The stupidest thing ever, because Infinity Train literally came to life because fans wanted it so bad. Because in 2016, Owen Dennis made a pilot episode, which would later... I remember that pilot episode. Yeah. I remember first watching it. It was great. It was great. so different from, like, what it is now. I'm glad that they... I'm, I'm, I'm glad with what they did now. Like it was eight minutes long, and it turned into the episode from season one called The Corgi Car, and it captured everything the story needed to be. 
And it became a show because the fans loved it so much. It got like, I don't even remember, how, it got millions of views within a week, more so than any other Cartoon Network pilot. Pardon me. Burp. And so that's why it got greenlit. Cartoon Network was like, damn, people want the show. And then it became a thing. Then after three super successful seasons and the fourth one underway, they decided, yeah, no one, no one else is going to watch this. No, no one else cares. Because they don't make toys. How are you supposed yeah. to make money without the toys? Exactly. And it's the most ridiculous, ridiculous decisions ever because Infinity Train literally is, I still believe, the best animated show. But people are still um, very much trying to fight for more. In fact, just a couple months ago from the day of recording, there was a big campaign to just hashtag Renew Infinity Train. And it took number one spot on Twitter's trending for a majority of the day. I don't remember exactly how long. But it was like at least six hours while a major sports thing was happening. And so all the Infinity Trains were like, how the hell are we beating sports right now? Like, what the hell? Hi, here at Team Code Red, we're all gay, so we don't know anything about sports. But we do know that Infinity Train was more popular than it for a day. And there's going to be another one soon. Because these executives don't know what they're doing. Um, the stories that Owen Dennis is trying to tell, like, as Ryan mentioned and I mentioned, like, they're touching a lot of people while also showing off this super, super cool world that is literally yeah. infinite. Infinite creativity. You could have anything be a train car. Who would not want that? Like, so fans are going to keep pushing because the creator himself is supporting these fan pushes. He's like, guys, do it. Tell them you want it. Because we do. The executives are missing out big time. Yeah, they're missing out. On the, but what what Owen Dennis has told us what they've got planned for the last four books, Cartoon Network, it will be the biggest shame in their history if they don't if they don't do it because it's just got it's literally got something for everybody. Kids will enjoy the lovable, goofy antics. Teens and adults will appreciate the darker undertones, and like just younger kids might just hear things about these struggles and maybe realize things about themselves and be like, oh, whoa, this character is just like me going through this thing that is really normal. I know a lot of people who have gone through divorces, and I feel like a lot of them could have used a character like Tulip to come to terms with that sort of thing. I definitely needed Lake and Jesse to slap me in the face and tell me to start living my life the way I wanted to. Narcissists need to see Simon so they know that if they don't over themselves, they'll be killed. Just kidding. And that um, two dudes from the 80s from Canada that are 100% not gay are 100% not gay, yeah but I think that's enough about Infinity Train now if we want to briefly come over some, I guess we'll just shout out some other really amazing shows um, Kipo, Age of the Wonder Beasts was incredible I think Ren's the only person who's seen it it is so good, it's amazing out of the stuff that DreamWorks has put out, so good got good representation great story, super engaging it all came out within 2020, the only good thing from that year. Uh, I won't go off about it too much, it's just a po post-apocalyptic story about Kipo, who's been sent to the surface world, which is full of monsters, and she's trying to find her family. Um, I, would, I would look into it if I were you, because it's also just a really nice story. And yeah, it's, it's just so much fun. The Dragon Prince is also really good, made by some of the creative team of Avatar The Last Airbender, um, but it's more 
fantasy based. It's it's really fun too. It's got a whole magic system, kind of similar to the elements from Avatar. It's got a really good voice cast too. Overall, Dragon Prince is another really great show. But we've um, we, I think we dragged on the Steven Universe and Infinity Train tangents too long. So I think next we'll talk about some more shows that we liked growing up. Um, I'm actually gonna hand the mics microphones. Yeah, I just split them in half to Aaron and Faith. So they can talk about Pony. Oh. Friendship is magic because we've missed Aaron's voice. I'm here. Hello. So um yeah, I unfortunately have not watched much of any of the shows we've been talking about before because I'm terrible at watching shows. However, uh the one show that I grew up watching that got me into animation and art really was My Little Pony. And it's actually a coincidence that we decided to talk about it because yesterday I was like, huh, I kind of want to rewatch My Little Pony. And anyways, I'm doing that now. Oh my god, I'll rewatch it with you. Yes. I will it all with you. I it's just, going to my it's, it's such a good show. I remember I used to watch like the old generation My Little Pony shows as a kid. And then when Friendship is Magic came out, I was like, mm, I don't know about this. And then I was mm. like, sold right i could yeah i was scared because i was in love with generation three of my pony as like a little yes. kid right yeah. yeah so when friendship is magic came out when i first was looking at it i was like this is not the same what is this this is crap but like it's just everything about it is so good the characters mainly just like make that show they do. Erin, I've never asked you who your favorite character is. Okay, well, if we're talking about main six, my favorite is probably either Applejack or Rarity. Um, but just in general, um, my favorite character is probably Discord. Yes, I love that. But I do also love Vinyl Scratch and Octavia. I was obsessed with them as a kid. I drew so much fan art of them. I love it so much. The hundredth episode is hands yes. down my favorite. That's so good. I just the one thing I always loved about My Little Pony so much is that it's the one show I've watched where it's like impossible to hate any of the villains or antagonists. Because they're all so good. All the characters, they the characters are so good. Like, if there's ever a point in that show where the story seems to kind of be, like, kind of slow or kind of slipping, it, it never became boring or bad because the characters just made up for it every time. Exactly. And even, like, like that show gets heavy sometimes because there's, like, obviously it's, it's a kid show, so half of the episodes are just, like, doing whatever and, like, doing little shenanigans that don't tie into each other. But then you get to, like, the story parts, and it's, like, so good. Yeah. I think I think growing up especially, I think that show actually taught me a lot on oh, how yeah. to be a good person. <laughs> and yeah. just with issues and stuff. Yeah, the, and the one thing I always liked about it is just that there were so many episodes that focused on the flaws of each character. Yeah. Um, just like how they're... Uh, and also, the music, brilliant. 
wonderful. Oh my gosh, yes. I will still there belt is out like, this area to this day. Yeah, there is not one song in that show that I dislike. Yeah. It's so good. But yeah, that really just like, considering it's just like basic, like flash animation and stuff like that, it's just, it's so amazing. It's so nice to look at. Like, yeah. The color palettes and the backgrounds and just like the character designs in general are just so good, even though they're all like the same base, basically. <laughs> yeah. So good. Yeah, that sh that show, and probably a large portion of its fan base was big, big part of my childhood. Oh, absolutely! I remember. I like super remember the one thing that wanted to get me animation er, into YouTube in general is I would sit down and watch the Bronies react videos. Yes. <laughs> oh, with like uh black griffin and all them like and ellie monty i would just sit down and watch those for hours yes like, yes i want to be this person i want to be these people it, it 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 was so funny how for the longest time because i hear people listening to um fan music artists all the time like the living tombstone or oh my god um, you know, uh, Mando Pony or whatever, and like their yeah. gaming music and how into it they get. And I'm just sitting here like they started off <laughs> making Mando well, Pony. It's especially it's my favorite thing ever to watch people like on TikTok or whatever jam out to the song Discord, and like half of them have no idea that it's a My Little Pony fan song. I love it. Yeah, God. But yeah, I definitely like. I, I think My Little Pony made, like, a huge impact on the animation and YouTube community in general. Oh, definitely. I don't think- I don't think anybody was prepared for how big it was gonna get. Yeah, and I think the one thing I really liked about, like, what the writers of My Little Pony did is it, it was the one show that really- listen to the fans of it and like catered towards the fans without it ruining the show at all yeah definitely because a lot of the time shows will listen to what their fans want and they'll listen to the fan base and the shippers or whatever and they'll just like totally cater fan service like the crap out of it um and i think they did that really well like they listened to what people wanted especially relationship wise like making fluttershy and discord and applejack and rainbow dash and all them like i love it it was, I, it was so nice too because it was so subtle the way they did it as well yes exactly like the fans the fans who wanted that they knew but like anybody else wouldn't have been able to really catch it right well, and I, yeah, exactly. I like that they were able to use, like, fan service in that sense without it overtaking the show. Like, especially just having, like, in the last episode when, like, you see Lyra and Bon Bon getting married. Yeah. Like, so good. It's so, it's such a good show. It really is. 
yeah, I, I really, I definitely think it made up a huge part of my childhood considering I watched it till about age like 16 and now I'm getting back into it again. Um, <laughs> yeah. But it definitely was one of the shows that really made me want to do art. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, growing up, you could actually ask Ren about this because I started drawing before they did. Mm -hmm. um, now they're better than me, but that's besides the point. <laughs> hey. um, uh, but when growing up, I didn't know how to draw humans because all I ever drew was My Little Ponies. Like that was Oh my god. It's funny. Um the so the actual the um the way I learned to draw humans well or the way I finally started transitioning from like only drawing cats and my little ponies to starting to draw humans was because of the first Equestria Girls movie. I knew you were gonna say that too. <laughs> When it came out and it was like all the characters I know and love like designed as humans, even if they are kind of like crappy, but I was like, this is brilliant. This is, I need to be able to draw them as humans now. Yeah. Gosh, so, part of me wishes we knew each other in childhood because I know I, I was so alone in all these interests. Well, yeah, because you were a warrior cat kid also, weren't you? I very much was, yes. Yeah, see? <laughs> we would have been perfect. We would have. But we know each other now, so that's all that matters. Exactly. <laughs> I just, yeah, I, I just, I just, yeah, I could totally see us, like, being, because, like, when you're, when I was a kid and I would be like on the schoolyard and I'm like, I'm gonna role play warrior cats and my little homies. I could totally just see you there with me. <laughs> There's an alternate universe where that happened. Yeah. yeah. I hope. Yeah. Alright. Should we should we move on from yes. the so I think we've learned that friendship is magic. Um, really? I said the funny thing, right? Do I get an award now? <laughs> no, you're getting kicked from the uh, call. You, you get a you get a gold star. Maybe the real magic was the friendship we made along the way. On the way, yeah. Hey, good one. I didn't partake in that conversation, but I, I did actually watch some My Little Pony growing up. I was a worry cat's kid. Wait, were you yeah, actually? Not <gasps> Faith made me read the first book. That's it. I'm still a warrior cat kid. I pre-order every book that comes out. So. Oh wait, no. It's good. It's it. I mean, it's it's good and bad in its own ways. Oh, there were there were like kids in my schoolyard who would um role play warrior cats, and I think they act. I think I got like accepted into their clan without knowing what exactly it was. But we're not we're not talking about that because we're talking about shows. And the point I was trying to make was I did watch My Little Pony. For a little bit, but my favorite show growing up was Ben Ten. I loved, I loved Ben yeah. Ten so much. I wanted to be him. I wanted to turn into all his aliens. From, I don't even know how young I was, but I started watching with like Alien Force, I think. Um, probably around Alien Force, and followed it. Mm, okay, no, I'm not going to get into that series. 
I watched the original series on and off, like okay. as a kid. Mm-hmm. I I feel like I probably did, but I definitely remember owning the DVDs for like the final season of the original series. And I did was... too. Oh, <laughs> Yo, yeah, let's go. I also had the first animated movie on DVD, but Ben Ten was yeah. my hyper obsession for years. He was all I could think about. Um, I, I bought all the action figures. In fact, I still have like a massive collection. I think I just have two now because all of them got um, destroyed. But that's a that's a whole other tangent. I loved it. <laughs> I loved watching Alien Force, and then when Ultimate Alien premiered, getting to see the whole ten 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 thing because it aired on October tenth, two thousand and ten. Blah blah blah. blah. Ultimate Alien uh, was super cool, and then Omniverse was announced. And I thought it looked garbage. Um, but then I ended up loving it. Because once I got past the yeah. drastically different art style, um, Omniverse was cool. And I met a lot of really cool people somehow. <laughs> Strange sentence. I made a bunch of cool <laughs> friends. Well, one, Because they were from the Ben 10 fandom. You know, oh. Yeah, But I loved it. I don't think I have any of my old Omnitrix toys. But I did have... I had one for each Omnitrix. I had the original, the the Alien Force, the yeah. Ultimatrix, and the Omni first one. I was a hardcore fan. I oh wrote so many fan fictions. No, that tracks. That? that tracks. Yeah. Uh, I only had the original Omnitrix and like a couple toys because ma- many, many siblings and family members that also have to get presents. Yeah. So you get limited. Yeah, I was completely obsessed. Yeah. There was one. There was one super embarrassing time during drama class last year. I was at the computer lab with um, one of my friends. And um, just for fun, we were just searching up our names. And I searched up my name. Um, it won't work now, for the record, because one, I deleted the image. Two, it was by my dead name. But we looked up my name, and I scrolled down. And then I found the drawing I did, which was just a recolored Ben. And I was like, no. what the? F- no, no. I was so upset. I was like, no. Get out of here. Delete that. So then that night, I went down. I found the website the, um, the image was on. And I was like, delete this page. Delete all these articles. I had elaborate um, stories planned because it was my favorite thing. And it was just it was just too good. Ren, should we um, rank all the series? Series is? Series is? Series. Uh, sure. Here's that. Yeah. Um, or at least just share our favorites because... Um, <laughs> they were all somehow so different, strangely. But Omniverse was my favorite just because it was, Same. it was just, it, in like in every aspect, it kind of pulled from each series in terms of like the tone. But it was also just like had the coolest villains for sure, um, best best story arcs I think, and the art style was wacky, but it just made it stand out so much more. So Omniverse, hands down, my favorite. My my favorite is Ayla. Alien Force. I knew it! Which I is weird, because it gave me nightmares as a kid. Makes sense. Something about, like, face-hugging alien monsters freaked mm-hmm. me out as a kid, because yep. there was, like, a old, like, Justice League cartoon where that same oh, event yeah. happened. Uh, like, the starfish. I was like, ugh. Because just zombies yeah. as a kid freaked me the fuck out. Now they're just like me. Um, but, yeah. My my two favorite aliens come from Alien Force and Ultimate Alien. Mm-hmm. So 
you might as well share kind of kind of buy Swampfire and Chromastone are my two favorite. Um, I'd just like to say on record, I had a feeling you'd be Alien Force. Um, mainly because when I think of Alien Force, it's like the darkest one. So I just I had a weird feeling you'd like it the most. But um, though Alien Force has my least favorite Ben design, one of my least favorites. It's the same as Ultimate. I Alien. don't. I count Alien Force and Ultimate Alien as it's the same series, just oh, okay. part one, part two. Basically. Uh, uh, also, Ultimate Alien was worse overall. I agree. Plot wise. Uh, though the Ultimate Aliens was cool. Mm. But I I don't like the like slicked down hair that Ben has in that. I agree. I like That's the more, only thing I don't like. Yeah. The more untamed hair I like for the young Ben hair. and Omniverse Ben, yeah. Superior. Floofy, untamed, perfect. Uh, also, other reason for Alien Force, Kevin Levin. Mm, that's true. Just, Kevin, turning Kevin into a good guy was one of the best things they could have done. Yeah, maybe I like Kevin because he's edgy a little bit. And yeah, that makes sense. But let's um let's give it to Ryan because Ryan hasn't had a chance to share his favorite series yet. I mean, I put it Omniverse my favorite, but I did like um because you know how Kevin kind of uh, had like absorbed multiple things, but he was stuck like that for a little bit. Yeah, like in Alien Force. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Alien Force, and then yeah. I don't remember which one it is but there's like a bunch of new aliens like nrg armadillo and all that yeah that was ultimately and then mm-hmm. kevin absorbed all of those yeah ultimate ultimate kevin yeah yeah that one i really liked that, that was pretty cool right because that was the first arc of ultimate alien and it had it had the villain agrigor who had the same power as kevin um and then agrigor almost absorbed power of alien x but then kevin but yeah no what kevin did was like Ben, I'm going to absorb the Omnitrix to turn into a giant mutant again. I'll probably turn evil, but it's the only way to save us. Wait, I have a, I have a crucial question. All right, ask away. Is Okay, I did watch Ben 10 a lot as a kid. Alien Force was my favorite. Mm-hmm. Um, is Ben 10... Ben 10 is the one that that clip is from, right? Where it's like, you got to treat a girl like you treat a car. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah that's, 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 it's that's backwards. Uh, ben, you, you gotta, gotta treat a car like, you treat, like a you treat a woman. Penguin's like, go on. No, I no. Like made a mistake of some kind. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Very good. <laughs> that definitely. Um, <laughs> that's gonna sound great in the finished recording, but yes, it is. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we have two Omniverse fans, two Alien Force fans. Good picks. I think we can all agree that the reboot is poop. No, I'm terrible. It's uncomparable. You you can't compare it to the others because it's its own continuity, and it was dumbed down for children. So of course it's not going to be as good. Yeah, it's just yeah. just a silly version of Ben Ten that was just made for younger kids to enjoy. And they massacred my boy Stinkfly. You can have a kids show that's still good. Yeah, yeah, I, like the ones that we talked about that were for kids, but were still like interesting for teenagers. I don't like it whenever people are like, "Oh, it's just a kids show. You can't be like that." No, there can be good kids shows, and if a kids show is like egregiously bad, then yeah. you can. Well, yeah, I think. Yeah, I think people forget that kids aren't like mindless all True. like all of the time. Like if yeah. there were so many shows as a kid that like sure they looked cool and they were goofy because they were like meant for kids, but I was like, no, this is dumb. This story's dumb, and I don't want to watch it. Mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. of course, like 
I'm not saying that it's only for those children, but like the demographic for the reboot wasn't like fans of of Omniverse who wanted it go on. So yeah, it's you can't really compare it just because it was it was trying to do a new a new take on it that just doesn't hold up compared to what they were doing before. It's a problem with like certain reboots is that they kind of have to you can't really stray from the people that used to like it because they're not going to be happy. Like yeah, examples yeah. of reboots. I can't think of one that actually does cater for the original fans. <laughs> can't think of one right now. I don't know, like, the Voltron and She-Ra re- reboots, they're just, like, a modernized take on an old property, yeah. which um, the old audiences, who are super old now, can still enjoy, but also makes them approachable for new audiences. But things like the Benton reboot, it's just for just for a new generation of young kids to be, like, little leap and be like, whoa, that kid turns into aliens and he's a jerk! Ben, Ben's yeah. actually a really annoying protagonist a lot of the time. Yeah. Yeah. He's also really but, like, stupid. Mm-hmm. Oh, definitely. But definitely. Like, Which he, is why I, I was just gonna say a lot of like looking back, his decisions were dumb. But I forget so much that in Alien Force through Omniverse, he's like fifteen to sixteen. But the thing is he doesn't talk or act like an actual fifteen year old. He just does dumb decisions yeah. that one would make. He yeah. he honestly yeah, he has the demeanor of like 17 or 18 year old not a not a freshman of high school because yeah. a grade alien force ben is supposed to be in grade nine like no way i should be able to punch him. i i i qualify alien force ben canon age compared to his like maturity level he acts like he's like 18 yeah or 17 going back to the reboot to i'm not even going to say anything about the plot because i'm not watching it i don't feel like it the the one th- the thing I'm gonna just say and point out and ugh, is the inconsistencies within like the alien design like you know how in like the original Ben Ten they all had like the white shirt white and black shirt type aesthetic yes and like and then Ultimate Alien like they keep that like kind of aesthetic and but Ultimate then, alien, in like for Ultimate Alien they just got rid of the clothes for the aliens. Yeah, they just weird. Uh, but in this reboot, we have forearms with the white shirt from the original. Mm-hmm. He blasts. He blasts naked. Accelerate. Same. Same thing. No special. Then Diamond Head has this yellow and black mm-hmm. type suit. Uh, then Wrecking Ball is Wrecking Ball. No um, clothes. I'm sorry. Do you mean Cannonbolt? Or Cannonbolt? It's been a while. It's been a while. And now Upgrade is purple? Yeah. Don't get me wrong, I like purple, but the black and white looks look way better. The black, white, and green look way better on original. I think the purple, it does look good. I think what they were going for is just trying to make it a lot more colorful. Um, and just make it more appealing to the to younger kids. We're like, wow, these colorful guys just look better as action figures, I guess. But I don't know. Mm, not really. Well, with like um, with Stinkfly, they changed his entire color oh, scheme yeah. to be more appealing to the eye. So his entire his color scheme and his entire proportion sh- setup, everything about him except for his power, because he's now a bipedal superhero-looking person. Yeah, which is weird to me. Also, like like it makes sense that like obviously not all aliens have like the green aesthetic. Mm-hmm. Duh, you can't you can't do that for everything. Yeah. But on the ones that, like, it makes sense to do the green aesthetic for Ben 10, someone who's just green, you associate Ben with green. 
<laughs> making upgrade and stink fly non-green colors when they originally were is just weird. I don't know. I like if you compare them to the past, then yeah, it's it's weird. But the blue and black and black and purple, I'm surprised you hate that so much because you love them. It's it's just like the the fact that it used two tones of purple. If it was like black body and like purple lines, then I'd be down. I suppose. I don't know. I didn't have any issue with that one. It didn't matter anyway because they um they got rid of him after the first season. Yeah. I'd like to say on record, I didn't watch actively the Ben 10 reboot. I just kept tabs on like anything major, like season finales, to see if they were going to do anything cool. So I know some of the, the coolest things that they did that were unique, like making Kevin their version of Albedo, which was really weird, but neat. Uh, mm-hmm. But, but um, I think we'll, we'll, we'll cut the reboot slander there. Because again, none of us watched it fully. There's no point. It's just, it's the inferior installment of Ben 10. Is there any more praise we want to give to the core series? Like maybe some of the things Omniverse did? Omniverse, they had like the, I think my favorite, like starting antagonist for like to open the series, the Nematrix. Because the entire like thing is like Ben's getting cocky and thinks he's all that. And then he his team gets split up and it's like, oh, now I have to learn to not rely on the two people that I was relying on and now I have to rely on the new guy. Yeah. I think and the whole like first two episodes is just him trying to figure out how to like work with Rook. Yeah. Kyver was just a really great villain and every like um culminating villain they had for the seasons was amazing. Like Kyber was great and he tied into the second season for Malware who was so cool. They did the incursion invasion, which was also so cool because they did it as like a whole summertime event. And I think after that was the albedo season and the way they brought him back was awesome. Then they did the galactic monsters arc where they like rebranded the show for that season. So cool. Then they did one where they had the multiverse Ben team up going to an alternate earth. Another one that I don't care to remember. And then ended with the time war, which was honestly underwhelming but still a good enough finale i think if we have nothing else to add on the the original timeline and we're done shitting on the reboot timeline do we want to get into something that we've discussed a little bit too thoroughly a little thing on how we would have rebooted ben 10 um sure yeah okay i say no okay well you're kicked out of the call i can't do that (laughs) because legal reasons we can't so we're gonna do. We're just gonna try this out here for the first time. Um, just a little segment that we're just gonna call the pitch, where um, we're just gonna try and we're just gonna pitch exactly what we said: a reboot for Ben Ten, how we would do it, maybe what aliens we'd give Ben to start. Kind of like what we did in our Avatar episode when I explained what I would do for a new Avatar series. But we're just gonna try and throw this little um, reoccurring, reoccurring little bit out where we decide when we're criticizing something. How could we have done it better? So that's where we're going to go ahead on. But of course, it doesn't count this time because we had a head start because Ryan, Ren, and I had a late night chat about Ben 10. And I ended up making like a concept art for a Ben redesign and way too much story details. Yeah. <laughs> but there's just so much they, um, they could have done that I think they should have done. So should I start? I feel like I should. But at the same time, I've talked so much. 
Uh, first off, darker take. We are not going like. Or maybe you could um go over what you thought it should have. Yeah, there we go. Not not kid kid friendly. Not like uber kid friendly. What I mean, because mm. oh god. Yeah. And for me, art style somewhere in between Omniverse and uh, Ultimate Alien. Do you want to throw on the screen like, that that um, mock up I did? Yeah. <laughs> there it is. Anyway. Um, do you want to continue, Ren? Uh, yeah. Aliens basically get rid of the ones that do the same thing of as other aliens for, like, mm-hmm. the main set. Like, we're not going to have three brawler, like, aliens that all do the same type of thing, just punch hard. Yeah. And maybe you use ones that were less used in other series. Mm-hmm. Because Wrath and Humongousaur have been used so much. Oh my. It's ridiculous. I think when I so, was brainstorming, um, the roster that I came up with, I don't think anyone else agreed or was like, yeah, that's perfect. Personally, getting a mix of classics and kind of stretching out, I would have picked Heat Blast, Forearms, Wild Nut, Accelerate, Chromastone instead of Diamond Head, Gray Matter, Upgrade, Echo Echo, and Pesky Dust all the way from Omniverse because I think that scary little Dream Fairy was so underused. I think the only thing I'd add is like some... Okay, my thought is Ben needs to handle threats in sky, air, and land. Mm-hmm. Or sky, water, and land. I said sky and air. No. Oh. <laughs> but ben know. only has Ben only has one water alien that I can remember. That it's isn't nice. like just water the element. Oh, okay. I mean aquatic. Yeah, and that's Rip Jaws. Oh no, he's got Waka Trout from Omniverse, who is the most useless alien ever. Never using that thing. So my <laughs> My thought would either be use, just use Ripjaw, or come up with something new. Come up with something different. Yeah, something new would be fun, too. Maybe just a Leviathan class alien. That'd be kind of cool. Aquatic I think among, she... An aquatic type, like, just big and in the water. That's it. That's what we need. I mean, they definitely strayed away from too many aquatic types because of Ripjaw's weakness, which is being on land. Get it, legs. We good. He had legs, but he started choking every time. Anyway, um, if you couldn't tell, we don't have anything else to say. That being said, we might actually have some bonus Patreon content because we don't, we we never shut up. So if you're um subscribed to our Patreon, you can go check that out. Yeah, we're we're actually like just stuck in call this whole time. We never we never stop talking. I'm always recording, twenty four seven. Okay. Um, ignore what Ryan just said. It's not true. You don't need to be concerned. Um, but in all seriousness, yes, if you haven't checked out our Patreon, please consider you can literally donate a dollar and have access to all of our exclusive content. And so if you do that, that basically makes you the coolest person on the planet. Just saying. Uh, but aside from that, Faith and Aaron both got taken out by David a little while ago. So the three of us, I think, are going to call it a night here before David catches us. Because we, it's really hard to revive members. We're going to save our losses now. Thank you so much for watching. <laughs> Um, if you haven't checked out any of our other videos, well... Then how dare you? <laughs> then please, I hope, maybe you'll consider. Check us out. Um, all of our social media is available at Team Code Red HQ. You can find the comics we make, all our other podcast episodes, and even more cool content coming your way. Thank you for sticking it through this whole episode. And we hope to see you next time, We're On Air.